0: we
1: and welcome to Sonic Talk number 375, kind of postponed from last week. I was unavoidably detained so uh, I'm afraid I couldn't make it, uh, but I'm back this week uh, all uh, fit and fighting fit and everything and I've even solved some technical issues which I hope will no, no longer rear their ugly heads. Uh, I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors. Obviously we have a show sponsor in the form of Isotope. Uh, we'll have a message from there later. Of course, Obviously there's a, a winner from last week's competition or the week before last, if you can anyway last show's competition which will be uh, uh, what was it? It was Brake Tweaker, wasn't it? That's right. And uh, as you know, Isotope have released RX4, so this week is going to be a copy of RX4. Nice stuff. So anyway, thank you very much, everybody, uh, for joining us. Uh, we've got a live chat room, as ever, sonicstate.com forward slash live. If you wonder what the heck I'm talking about, you should just subscribe to us on YouTube and then everything will become clear. Messages will appear. The weekly nature of the show will be, you know, it'll just be like natural to you and you'll just see it going anyway if you if you are watching on this youtube um then you can watch us live sonicstate.com forward slash live at 4 p.m uk time right we've got a uh, a new guest we haven't had her in for a little while uh so i'm very pleased to announce that we have miss tara bush from uh, i speak machine not analog sui- not not analog suicide no uh, well, analog suicide is the name both.
2: of um name of the blog that's yeah,
1: right yeah both yeah so Tara, how the heck are you? It's been a while. You've been I know you've been in England for a while. You're working on some exciting stuff, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, very busy, very crazy. Learning a lot about new synthesizers that I have well, vintage synthesizers that I haven't used yet. Um mainly uh, preparing for a show at the South Bank Center on Sunday. Um and this Absolutely, is Absolutely, there <coughs> it
1: is. I speak Machine South Bank on Sunday. This Sunday. Tickets available. Yeah.
2: Of course,
1: no. No, it must be sold out by <laughs> yeah. now, surely.
2: Yes, yes, sold out in you know two minutes. No, yeah. no there are tickets. So um, yeah, it's um, my new collective with my uh, husband Matt Lewis, and it, it's an audiovisual collective. He makes the films, and I make the music, and we do um, sci-fi horror films that are created to be screened with me playing the score live. Wow, too.
1: that sounds like that quite a hairy mean? prospect. How is it's, it? It's
2: yeah, it's, it's actually a lot, um, a lot more interesting than it sounds. A lot, no. a lot, a lot easier than it sounds.
1: <laughs> I'm, looking, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more. Uh, what we'll do now, though, yeah. I think, is we'll introduce the rest of our guests, and then perhaps we can come back to you and you can tell us in a bit more detail what's going on. Because I know um, Mr. Spears, Dave Spears there, G4Software geforcesoftware.com, uh, who now has, after, was it six years, he's finally plugged an Ethernet cable into his uh, webcam Uh, So now we have almost uninterrupted high quality, high frame rate, high definition. You can see the synthesizers in the background and everything. How are you, Dave?
3: I'm good, thank you. Yes, I bought an Ethernet cable. I had somebody install it kind of around the building and in the wall. And and I moved the laptop across, so you've got a slightly different view today.
1: Ah, that's what it is. I've got more synthesizer definition. Of course, we know Dave is... uh, (laughs) in his synth cave where he collects just he's he's like at the Ebenezer in a sort of hoarding fashion not in a kind of stingy fashion in a kind of collective fashion so in his synth cave there thank you very much for joining us Dave we'll also go over to uh, Mr Robbie Bronneman who uh, has just come back from tour where he's been MDing and playing live with Mr Howard Jones right
4: yeah that's right yeah
1: it, you yeah, sent so- me some pictures actually didn't you have you got uh, is it would it be a, okay for me to show some of those yeah, excellent. Let me have a look. Um, in the meantime, so I can probably—I wonder if I can do that. Am I allowed to? Oh, uh, that's interesting. Can I do that? Yeah, this was your um, this was your setup because you created these amazing um, pictures of uh, not pictures, uh, live setup where you've got all these. Yeah, here we go. Let's have another one there. That is astonishing. So that these the keyboards are all lit up, and you've got a bank of. Uh, Novation launch pads there Doing light shows too Awesome stuff So uh, successful set of shows Because I remember once you said to us There was an issue with one of the machines And I guess you got to the bottom of all of that right
4: Yeah it was all It went brilliantly Yeah we didn't have any We didn't have any technical issues at all I Had a few technical issues with um, Thompson Twins stuff But um, we we sorted those out um, In the first few shows They're a little bit hairy But um, yeah it was all good freaked out a couple of the keyboard players particularly Angie Pollock but um, we got we got it all back on course and it was
1: all alright. There you go so, well, that, that that's yeah. your, that's there it is anyway, Robbie thank you very much for joining us, Robbie's also a composer himself and a producer and songwriter and all of those things. Uh, we were going to have Mark Tinney but I can't see Mark anywhere so I'm afraid um, we'll have to do without his company just for now but um, Tara if we could just come back to you um, so you're basically doing live soundtrack to the film that uh, you've made with or math's made with you uh, however that's collaborated yes you're doing this with live analog electronics what the heck are you thinking surely aren't you trying aren't you making your job more difficult
2: Dave talked me into it (laughs) (laughs) no well we we've been here since um january and it was going to initially be quite a short trip And we wound up staying a lot longer, and then other things started happening, and this gig came up, and I have, I have, the only gear that I brought with me, because I was only going to be here a few weeks, was a (laughs) monotribe, because I just didn't think I was going to be doing anything. So, um, Dave uh, had the genius idea of loaning me um, a bunch of synths to play from G-Force's arsenal, and um, yeah, what was I thinking? Yeah, I, I I had to say yes. You know why not? So worst so that the- can happen is I'll um, have have a heart attack. And no, I'm everybody. sure
1: it'll be fine. So what's the what's the th- <laughs> how, what's the, talk me through the kind of composition progress pro, uh, process. So have you is this pre composed or have you written the music while you've been in the UK using your monotribe and other uh, instruments or are you now kind of working on a set of improvisations using these new instruments or older well, instruments. None-
2: None of the performance is improvised. It's all all um, completely, you know, down down to every note. You know, I know I know what's going to happen. Um, there's um, the the instruments that I used on it again um, were loaned to me from from Benj and from Dave. I didn't use the Monotribe at all on it. Oh,
1: so. <laughs> poor thing. But uh,
2: but yeah, I used um, uh, some some of the. Uh, soundtrack to one of the films, which is called The Silence, um, is one that I did um, last year in Los Angeles. Ah, okay. And, and then Math and I made two more. Um, one is called Gagglebox, and the other one is called There's Someone in the House Next Door. So, um, and those are two that I scored over here. Right. Uh, and Dave loaned me um, an OBA and an Oscar synth, and Benj loaned me a Korg 770S, oh, and nice. I used it on I used those, and, um, and then Matthew's aunt had this, um, the guts of a piano, the harp of a piano, and, um, it was just, like, lying around outside, and it was all rained on and rusty and messed up and leaves and spiders stuck to it, so we grabbed it, put it in the pickup truck, brought it over to the house, and I scored, there's someone in the house next door primarily using that piano and warping the audio and stuff like that, with scents around it and stuff. So, um... It is, yeah, that's how I made them. And so a lot of those things uh, are going to be running on um, a backing track in Ableton and also with um, samples that will be triggering and stuff. And then I play the synths and I sing as well.
1: So. Ah, okay. So essentially you've got the kind of structure going on. So, you know, the the, yeah. the, the, the hit points that you've got and then you're going to be, Im- not improvising, but pl- adding to the bass level of the music over the top with, with, your, yes. with, with what you're playing live, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I prefer it that way. I I I'm afraid that it would um kinda of misrepresent the film if it were to be improvised. I'm I'm pretty you know, we're pretty strict about what we want yeah. the music to say in the film. So it's not not just like an improvised get up there and whoosh around on the film. It's just
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure.
2: Strict. So what yeah, you, what instruments
1: what instruments are you going to be playing live? I mean, you've you've brought together this beautiful collection of synthesizers. Are you going to be uh, making sure you use all every single one of them, or how are you? Yeah. How are you?
2: Yeah. Um, what I what I told Dave is, um, so I had the Oscar synth. I kept that because it's the only one that's programmable too, and it has a really it does sound really beautiful. It has a really really lovely uh, bass, believe it or not. Um, so that's my bass player. I kind of refer to it as a band. So I've uh, okay. got five of them. Um, so I've got, <laughs> Oscar gets to play the bass. Um, there's a Pro 1 synth, which is still my all-time favorite synth. Um, it may, may be because it's the first synth I ever got, but um, I've got that, and I think that's probably my guitar player. And then <laughs> there's a um, ARP Odyssey and ARP 2600, and that's Brian Eno. Okay. And then, um, <laughs> and then SH-101 is um, the diva backing singer, Claire Tori from Dark Side of the Moon, I guess. Who knows?
1: Ah, okay. So
2: that's my weird little way of looking at it. Keep, keep me sane. So each one I've kind of assigned different parts to, of course, um, you know, as if they're humans.
1: Ah, uh, right. Okay. So uh, 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 <laughs> am I detecting that with the uh, inclusion of the SH-101 as a diva, that that's become, that's the most electronically difficult to deal with <laughs> in terms of uh, stability uh, and what have you?
2: It's weird. It's, it's, um, I think I sorted it out. I think Again, uh, I, I sent Dave a few semi-panicked texts, like, we're on stay tuned. it's drifting, ah! you know, and they're supposed to be really stable, you know, but, um. It, it was the, the power button, and um, we um, sprayed some contact cleaner in it, nailed it you know, mushed it a few times. and now, now it seems to be working okay. It was weird because Dave, Dave sent me this link to uh, Vintage Synth Explorer, and it said um, that the power button and the tuning are kind of, they kind of affect each other, or the yeah. power button affects the tuning. I don't know if they affect each other. But um so I noticed yesterday it was starting to drift and um so I stopped and I kinda just tapped on the power button and it and it went out of tune. It was just kinda so I did the contact cleaner, mashed it, and then now it seems to be cool. So I don't know. Right.
1: <laughs> I Dave, I, but, I, I noticed yeah. you, you winched a little bit there, was there <laughs> <laughs> that was right though surely because i we have yeah, a, yeah, yeah. we've got an sh101 here that i had to do the comparison between the IRS system one and you know the real thing and i noticed that that when i uh, it was just when cuz i was plugging in the gate and cv to hook them up so that they could play the same thing and uh, that's near the power button and i noticed it just sort of it like dropped a third or something it was just like whoa what happened there then you tap it again and it comes. we got the same problem here definitely mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. weird it's so, a,
3: yeah quite well known issue i think it's, uh, yeah, I kind of read up about it. Because actually the reason for the 101 was it's really stable, tar and you won't have to worry about tuning it multiple times when you're on stage. This will be a really reliable synth. <laughs> and of course when this reared its head, it was like, ah, no, no, no. And then I looked it up and it was seems to be a fairly common fault and the uh, curious to, well, the long-term is to take apart the the power switch and put a, deb- a but, decent one in i'd imagine but the quick yeah the quick fix is just old school whack it contact spray <laughs> whack it right so I yeah I, I think we might take the sh2 up just as a kind of backup yeah.
1: so so i mean in terms of having all of these things like is, uh, is are is you, you're going to be involved in so are you kind of looking after some of these things dave or are you going to be are you going to be the man with the uh, the spray can rushing on stage with the contacts
3: i'll have the spray can and the white gloves no it's quite funny uh well as you know chris used to tour a lot with various high profile artists and he he sort of always missed it and it's his birthday in a couple of weeks time and regularly he's talking oh you know it'd be really nice to do like one one last tour one last tour but of course you know when we're shifting gear around we realize that we're not spring chickens anymore and the backs are suffering so this is a kind of one-off event to sort of make him feel younger so actually i volunteered chris to uh (laughs) Vita <laughs> tech for the evening.
2: It takes about twenty years on me. <laughs>
3: ah, sweet. I'm sure
1: Chris will be very delighted. So, did, are you going to have to acclimatise the synths? I mean, obviously, you want to get in there as soon as possible. Turn them all on. Leave yeah. them on. And, and... Mm-hmm. have you yeah, got?
2: They... Um, I, I let them. I let them just cook for about a half hour to forty five minutes before I even touch them. You know, especially the the twenty six hundred, and um, uh, you know, have yeah. To. Um, I'm, I'm used to. It, uh, I mean, with with this, it's kind of um, you know. It, it, on the face of it, it seems like something that should be really, really daunting and crazy, but it's it's not. It's it's really worked out quite quite beautifully, and it's really fun, you know. And it's it uh, it's challenging, but it's you know, it's one of those things that really make you feel alive when you're playing instead of just doing something easy and doing the same thing over and over. Because, um, like, I usually play with. Just my my Voyager, right? And, yes, and
1: your voice. And, yeah,
2: you know, it's really yeah, and it's really really reliable and everything. And a few other bits like an Omni cord and stuff like that. And and I use a lot of mographers and, but this is um, you know, it's I, I think that you have to keep doing these things anyway. You have to keep growing those creative pathways in your head and challenging yourself. And but it's um, but it's been it's been really different and really fun, you know. And I'm I'm really really happy
1: about it. So what I mean when you say challenging, what, what has been the most challenging part of the process? I mean, you know, the composition obviously presents its own challenges and then, you know, the the kind of turning it into something that you can perform live. I mean how what's been the, the most the, the most challenging aspect of that do you think?
2: Um probably just just um, reconfiguring what was just the mug to everything else. Ah, and okay. also getting to know all of the scents. The only one I really, really knew was the Pro one. Um, so, and, but I really wanted to learn all of them too. So I had, you know, it was something I really wanted to do. Um, so that was, you know, it was a bit of a learning curve, learning all of those and learn and the, and the ARC 2600, I, I, you know, I've only visited one in passing, lusting after it, but I've never been able to actually have one in my possession for a long time and play it. So it was, you know, I had a month to kind of really get these things, um, memorized and in my bloodstream, and you know, when when you're playing live, you just really don't want to be thinking about where where, where the fuck is the filter? Oh, sorry, where's right. <laughs> where, you know, where's the cutoff? And you know, so yeah. it's like you really want to have them mapped out for a long time, and I'm and I'm pretty obsessed about rehearsing anyway, so. I'm not someone that just kind of does two rehearsals and then does a show. I re- I rehearse like a robot, seriously. <laughs> so, so how,
1: how long is the sh- how long is the show actually going to be? I mean, what what what's the length of the piece that you are going to have to perform in sort of one one go?
2: It's we've got um, two, two the two short films that we made here are um, no one of them we made here. Um, those two are six minutes, and then um, uh, the silence is about thirty four minutes. Right, so and that- then. Then I've cooked up a, a special song to play at the end if I get an encore. Oh, ah, so, okay.
1: So the, with yeah. with the 34, I mean, in terms of the way that you've approached it, I mean, you know, the the the, the temptation is, or the, the, the fashion is with, you know, almost anything to picture. It's just constant music, you know, no matter what. And presumably, you know, because you've been involved in the filmmaking process and what have you, it, it, have you given yourself a bit of breathing space in terms of that? Or is it is the music, you know, integrated... At all times,
2: uh, I, I would say so, but it's but it's very dynamic. You know, there are times when it's really raging, and then there's times when the film takes over. You know, it kind of goes back and forth. Um, but the, the films that that I Speak Machine make are, you know, very much created with the fact that I play the score live in mind. Yeah. And so there's a lot of space for the music, but the music is there to kind of you know compliment the film and not just take over and have it turn into a music video so it's we try to keep it quite dynamic too
1: so yeah excellent and one of the things that came up with this whole notion I mean if we're sort of just drifting into uh into other territory a little bit is you know when you're um considering doing a live gig this goes to everybody you know there are points when it's like okay at which point do you say I'm going to have to sacrifice, you know, synth A or synth B and not use it and use something else. You know, what point... I know, Robbie, I'll go to you because you are, you know, Mr compact very kind of sorted out technically run everything kind of pretty much in the box but yet you know we can see with your background you've got a lot of synthesizers and a lot of kind of analog electronics in your general sound and i'm and and obviously howard has a long legacy of that in his past as well what is that process of getting through i mean do you have do you just kind of go no or do you go maybe and then it's gradually removed because of the the the, the fallibility of that sort of stuff
4: yeah i mean we use a lot i mean i use a lot in the studio but everything I do gets printed to audio. So as you know, every time I use the analogs, I just I don't try and think about recallability again. I just I go, that's what I want. I like the sound of that. I'm putting it down. That's the end of it, moving on. Obviously, that becomes difficult if you need to come back to it. But um, for the live shows, we just don't run after trying, taking out all these original stuff like Jupiter 8s and going wrong and even stuff like that, which you think would be pretty good. I remember we did a tour and we had three of them by the end of it. And they all kept going wrong. Um, And when we tried to recreate his original rig, which was running the Pro 1 as his sequencer, and he had to write the sequences in backwards on this little step sequencer on this Pro 1. I mean, he's just like, and keeping the tuning in, he just said to me, I never want to do this ever again. I've done my (laughs) dues. I don't want to do this ever again. So, you know, now we just just don't try and tempt fate. So um, everything now for us is totally within the main stage world. But
1: it is it is interesting, isn't it? Because you've got bands like uh, Simeon Mobile Disco, who've just done their new album, which was, is purely live electronics and something that they can make live. I mean, they may well have edited and sort of teaked, but the, the idea is that it uses that sort of danger. Uh, I mean, they're, they're obviously, with a lot of gigs, there's, there's things that you don't want to have happen, and there are things that maybe you do. I am mean, guessing with something where the songs are very structured and specific, like, you know, with you know three minute pop songs essentially you know as, as the core of what howard has been or part of his work has been yeah. doing i suppose that that's lives you less room for flexibility but that
4: well well actually we've we've actually structured what we're doing very um open-ended he's got um he's got these massive palettes of sounds that he's built up in main stage um, and he's got a novation remote sl0 and he can bring loads of different textures in so we're doing a lot of the songs, particularly songs like Hide and Seek. We just run the core um, uh, loop sections and the drummer just plays the, you know, the very basics and then the whole arrangement can be changed. Um, he does a lot of improvisation, bringing in different textures and doing different sections and I kind of just follow what he does. So we're trying to build that kind of flexibility in, but obviously we do that around the Ableton framework. So hmm. obviously I can, I can, can, I can respond to what he does and vice versa. But in terms of sounds, there's still that element of it's a very prepared palette, albeit it might be different every night. Right. Okay. And Dave, I mean,
1: you're you know, obviously, you've got a lot of electronics that you're performing with, you know, live in the room. Do you? Does the thought of maybe using that live? I mean, obviously, you're you're doing this kind of vicariously through Tara. She's the one taking all the risks. You're just providing some electronics. Uh, I mean, do but <laughs> do, do you miss that aspect of uh, it?
3: Yeah. Go do it for yourself. Uh, Part of it, yeah, maybe a bit of it. It's funny, actually, because we have... People have used this room. We do let the odd person... Odd being the... Uh, <laughs> word. No, we let them use this room occasionally, and occasionally they've asked, you know, oh, can we use this particular synth live, or can we take it out on a tour? And we've never uh, let anything out. Uh, you know, obviously, we've loaned individual pieces of kit for studio use out, but we've never let anything go out live and... But we've always kind of wanted to. It was that idea of... You see, I love those seat of the pants things, you know, when I was working with various artists. You, when something goes wrong, it kind of tests your metal, And that's the moment where either everything can be a disaster or truly great things can happen. But the idea of putting it out on a tour is—I yeah. mean, you really are asking for trouble. I guess with so one offs The fact that this yeah. is a one-off, yeah. yeah, this completely changed everything from our perspective, and we were, we kind of got very excited about it, and and obviously it's Tara as well. So,
1: so Tara, are you? I mean, are you going to document this? Is there a kind of uh, film of the film? Do you see what I mean? Are you are you, are you recording this for posterity? I mean, the actual performance. Yeah. I mean, how how's that working?
2: Yeah, I think um, I think actually. Um, we're going to have a few people filming it. Definitely. Um, I think Dave's actually going to do some stuff too. So, um, a few people coming at soundcheck to, um, poke my brain, whatever's left. And, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, recording it. And so
1: how are you, um... Prior to gigs, just sort of generally speaking, I mean, do you kind of get in the zone? Do you kind of like, Are you? do you need to be kind of focused and alone or do you kind of relish the whole social aspect of it as well? Or was something, you know... D- no, dep-
2: no socialising. No, I don't <laughs> work near me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I... Um, well, it, I, I, I have to make sure my voice is warmed up and yeah. then um, I just have to make sure my confidence is good and that I'm in a good, like... Good place where um, I'm, I'm good and mindful and confident going on there, and I'm not not that fear, nothing. Oh no, sure, nothing. sure, sure. And, um, you know, I've done done enough shows in this format and enough live scores to where at least I have some sort of reference point. If I do get nervous, I'm like, I think to myself, well, you've done some really good gigs before. You were fine. You, you know, you killed it. So don't worry about it. You're going to do it again because that's what you've got to refer to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Experiences. I, so, I, really,
2: I can really let myself spiral and be like, oh my God. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean,
1: I think that, that that's kind of true with anybody, I think, to a degree. I mean, do you find that, do you find that the, like, the performance of us to, to a film, uh, has a different <laughs> feeling, I suppose that, than, you know, playing, because like, you've played live in terms of your own music, um, where you're also alone, pretty much on stage with your stuff, uh, and you you know, there's a backing track element to it as well. Is there a difference, or do you find that, um, that they feel kind of the same essentially?
2: Um, yeah, I, th- I think they feel quite different because um, when you're there's so a lot of differences, really. Because um, with the film, it's kind of like you're. Um, you're collaborating. It's it's much much more collaborative. You're sharing the stage with the film. The film is as if it's an entity to me, and so it's it does have a really collaborative thing. I don't feel like I'm standing up there on my own.
1: Right, I gotcha.
2: I'm up there with the film, and um, and it's um. But I still get the pleasure of playing. You know, a live show and performing. So I, I do love to perform, and you know, I've been doing it for a long time, and I have to do it. Yeah. So. Um, You can still see, you know, you can you still get the feedback from the audience, you know, for better or for worse. Usually, I've been lucky; it's been good so far. Um, So it's um, it's similar in the sense, you know, just physically you're standing up there playing to people. But I think it's um, a lot more laid back. Um, You can see people's attention shift between you and the film because there are parts when the film takes over and there are parts when I take over. And, um, so it's, um, but it's different than being in a band because with a band, it just seems like you're, it's all about you and you're just, you know, throwing, throwing yourself at the people, at your audience and you're just gushing it all out. It's, it's a lot more, this is a lot more, uh. Reserved. Yeah, in a way. I suppose,
1: I, and I guess you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to think about in between scene banter either. You don't have to because you don't have to tell any Whoa. jokes or explain what was behind that. Is there a talk aspect to what you're doing as well? Will you be kind of Q and A as to how it put together, or is it just purely the performance that you're doing?
2: Um, we'll see what happens. Um, when when we played Moogfest a few years ago, we kind of did. Uh, an impromptu Q and A cause people just came to the stage and started asking us stuff. So we just sat down and had a little chit chat with everybody. So, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that'd be cool. I'm totally up for that. If, um, you know, if the crowd's up for it, we'll do it.
1: Excellent. So,
2: um, yeah, cause, cause me personally, I, I always love to know how, if I go to a show and it, and it blows me away, I want to know how they did it and I want to know more about it. So I try and, you know, think of what it is i would want in a show and, and give that so i am all about doing q a's and i don't i don't keep any keep many secrets about what i do
1: so well that's the uh, uh, that's the nature of the uh, life led online isn't it to a degree as well i mean that's just the nature of uh, accessibility what have you too yeah
2: mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> Um, at this point, I think we're going to uh, now take a message from our sponsor at the beginning of the show. Obviously, we talked about uh, Isotope, who sponsored the show, and uh, they have actually just announced uh, RX Four, which is a major update to their audio restoration. We've also, uh, after the ad, we'll be uh, announcing the winner of the last competition and setting the new one. So do stay tuned. <coughs> RX4, yes, the Emmy award-winning RX software. the uh, best sounding audio repair toolkit on the market. Musicians swear by it and uh, sound designers. Uh, it's just launched. Uh, it's got some several new features. Clip gain, dialogue, denoiser uh, is now available in the standard version as well as the other one, uh, as the, the advanced. RX Connect, you can streamline your process with a round-trip workflow of compatible work tools uh, with Pro Tools, Logic and other popular hosts. Uh, in post-production, music production and mastering, you can, the advanced version, boasts additional time-saving features and you can deliver great sounding results with things like the leveller EQ match and also I believe there is an ambience match as well which sounded quite interesting so you can basically set Uh, all kinds of things to to match up, which in in terms of post and video, as well as many other things, certainly synthesizers, what have you, is an extremely useful set of uh, features. Basically, if you want to find out any more, isotope.com forward slash RX4 is the place to go. I'm not sure if there's a 10-day demo for this. It doesn't say in my notes, but as with a lot of their products, there are. So do go and check it out. It's really uh, quite a major advance to the RX tool set. And as we know, uh, know, we've been using it here. On our videos, a lot of the time it really does kind of make a lot of difference, and not only that, but fixing things with particularly with knackered old electronics, hey Dave, that you can uh, sort out really does work a treat. Um, so as we said before, we want to thank them very much. In fact, our uh, isotope are coming here tomorrow, and uh, we're going to shoot uh, a kind of presentation with the, the features of RX4, so hopefully we'll have a kind of real in-depth as to what's going on with it, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, we also ran a competition. Uh, last week, uh, well, well, last show was Break Tweaker, and the winner of Break Tweaker uh, was picked at random. Uh, I used something called Topsy.com, which is really good for searching tweets, where you get a whole load of them, and you can count them up, just in case you're interested. This week, this, this uh, Sonic Talk 374's winner, who wins a copy of BreakTweaker Tweaker is a chap called Raj. Uh, his Twitter handle is at RMG, Production, at RMG Production. If you get in touch with me, uh, maybe tweet something out, uh, and then we can get your email address. And the Isotope Fairy will be able to bestow the gift into your inbox. Uh, she will be here tomorrow and probably travelling, so it might not happen instantly, but please do get in touch and congratulations for winning. And of course, we've also got another competition because Isotope just seem to want to give away everything they have on a weekly basis with the show. So, lucky old you, eh? So, uh, if I just switch to there, you can win Isotope RX4. What you need to do, you need to be on Twitter. So, you, it's it, honestly, it's worth setting up a Twitter account just to enter these competitions because the odds are actually pretty good. Uh, so, if you want to win rx 4 uh, this is the standard edition, I believe, you want to send the hashtag audio repair, hashtag audio repair, and send that to at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. And then I will collect all the winners up and pick from a random number generator, uh, and we pick the winner. So congratulations to this week's winner, and go to it. Remember, Isotope RX4, you can win it, hashtag audio repair, at sonicnick at Isotope Inc. So really, you have got to go for it. Oh, Dave, you're a you're a big fan of it. Have you checked out any of the RX four features
3: yet? Yep. Good. Brilliant.
1: Of course.
3: Um, well, no, uh, honestly, it's saved my bacon. On it's it's, I could go on about RX for yonks, but honestly, there are. It's like every time I fire that up and do something, and I have a, you know, if I have a problem and I go RX and I go into it, I never cease to stop using it. And just go, wow, wow, excellent. Which is brilliant. Well, it is. It is
1: brilliant. And uh, you know, we're very fortunate to have them as a show sponsor, and they do get. I think they get good value out of us because uh, they get a bit of afters as well, because we're all users of the stuff, you know. Which is the perfect match, I think, in many ways. Oh, Tara, you uh, do you find much use for that kind of thing in your world? Well, I guess if you're doing video, uh, maybe- I have,
2: God, you know, we haven't haven't gotten around to using RX4 yet. I was always interested in using it. Um, not really for its intended purpose but to use it and you know to mess with audio a bit more
1: that's right
2: uh, see yeah I guess a lot of people do that now but it but it would seem uh that seems it would be fun I just haven't gotten around to it but um yeah I know they're coming out with 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 new ones and stuff so
1: yeah absolutely awesome
2: I want to try it I I use um I actually use Nectar a lot for vocals and um I've got Break Tweaker can't wait to use that (laughs) I haven't yet um and uh, ozone
1: and alloy and I just love all their stuff it's awesome yeah absolutely I, d- I downloaded uh, Break Tweaker uh, a couple of weeks ago and had a little play around with it and that's pretty cool too uh, Robbie I, I mean I, d- I know you use a lot of isotope products as with many other yeah. uh, professionals and it, you know so yeah awesome stuff um, it is good what I was going to suggest now we've got a couple more topics that would be worth just sort of going into because there's been actually you know for September there's been an awful lot of product releases which is kind of a bit mind blowing really <laughs> we're, we're not it, this seems to be happening because normally it all happens you know you get a bunch of stuff released or announced in the spring and the, and the, with Nam and Music Messer and then it comes on stream in time for Christmas but now what's happening is there's a sort of September window where it's all happening and Korg have gone a bit crazy this year uh, as well as the Volca Sampler uh, we've got the um, the Electribe the new Electribe and they are starting to look pretty interesting I just wondered if any of that stuff I mean because it's, it's, mach- it's machinery for sort of making music there uh, Rob have you seen any? I guess you've been on tour, but um, any, anything kept
4: that. Up still. You've what? You've kept up? I've kept up to date with it all as usual, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. You uh, know, everybody on the tour bus sitting there with their iPhones all the time. Nobody talks. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: there's the sort of product shot of that. There's quite a lot of stuff. One thing that was really interesting, I think this might be this video, is the. Um, what's it called? It's the clip Hit, I think it's called. And this is the, you know, they're their kind of little mini drum thing. Now you've got a multi-channel version. You can just kind of clip it onto loads of different things and and play. And I thought that looked pretty nifty, actually. I, just a shame it hasn't got any MIDI because that would be really awesome to use. But anything of the specific um, releases that kind of interest you? The Electrode looks interesting because it's just got bling lights. Did you see? There's lights actually underneath it that shut the light up the desktop. And I yeah, can so see that board, you're.
4: Thanks uh, car. You what? <laughs> boy race the car
1: i was when i when i saw it at bpm <laughs> on sunday i was wondering whether or not it should also have you know that thing that those kind of uh, um those cars have that sort of jack themselves up at the front <laughs> should have that as well just to complete the picture
4: <laughs> uh, i actually quite like the look of that little sampler the volca yeah the volca sampler yeah. i mean uh, that looks that looks like a lot of fun it's something about getting your hands on a sample like that in an old school kind of way it's different to doing it in the computer
1: definitely i don't know what i haven't actually looked to see what the sample uh, specs for that are but i mean there's a there, i've got we've got a demo here of it as well i might be able to fast forward that a little bit and get into
3: the, it's only input via oh via yeah Alexa.
1: that's the weird thing so i don't know how much timing there is in there but yeah dave that that they need an android app at the very least as well to make that kind of work but um crazy business I mean, they they seem to be on, as we know, Korgas generally seem to be kind of quite on fire when it comes to building stuff. Their release schedule, it sort of puts all the other big manufacturers to shame, really, or at least, I suppose, in the space that we're interested in. I mean, I'm sure Yamaha released a ton of wind instruments or whatever you know in the, in the in a different music space but um you know Korg are very focusing on this electronic thing any of that so do you fancy uh, do you fancy one of those because I know you were quite keen on uh, the Volkers when they were first announced any of these these float your boat
3: it's funny because we got in fact we've got three electribes mark twos and they're still in boxes and stuff and I've kind of been going through them you know this kind of came as part of that um probate collection and they're quite interesting. They're quite interesting. I quite like the Volca sample thing. And I think the iOS app is obviously for in-app purchases, isn't it? I think that's I, what so, the angle yeah. will be from that perspective. The drum thing really intrigued me, the clip drum thing. But the sounds sort of sounded really cheesy in the demo. I just really love the idea, you know, when I was a kid, sort of tapping on the dinner table and your parents going, shut up. <laughs> I quite like the idea of kind of continuing to do that, but with clips and a speaker. But then I thought, uh, I mean, the sounds on that video were a bit kind of mm, general MIDI.
1: Yeah, I know what you're saying, but that doesn't mean that there's not more. I mean, I think the thing about that is uh, it, it doesn't look particularly expandable, but I don't know enough about it yet. I know, uh, Tara, are you yeah. a, are you a big fan of? Um, uh, uh, I mean, you know, you know, primarily your stuff is sort of analog electronics. You know, uh, what about yeah. the notion of sort of sampling and tweaking with samples yeah. and that sort of thing? I, I,
2: I would love to try that. There's um. I'm watching that demo just now. It made me think of, um, there's a, a show over here called Utopia. I don't know if you guys have seen it. No, but I'm not. It has Brilliant. the most, yeah, Dave, you know, it's, it's got just the most badass score ever, 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 ever. My favorite composer, he's amazing. But um, he uses a lot of, uh, I think he uses a lot of sampling and um, hardware sampling and stuff like that. And so seeing that demo made me think of that Utopia sound. For a second, so um, yeah, I would. Uh, I'm inspired by it, so I'd, I'd totally love to mangle with it a bit. Yeah, because I, I just use I use uh, the EXS24, but I don't. I never really got into sampling very much, so I'd love to. Have it's a bit kind of
1: removed, that. isn't it? The the, the sort of notion that the, the 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 sample playback is very different to the creation of samples and that notion of being able to do it live real time with with, I think there's Electribe sampler as well which wasn't available Um, we didn't see that at BPM but I think there's another model which is geared more towards samples and that's going to be very interesting I mean, the other thing that's really interesting about this new range of cool products as well as with Gadget because we did uh, Sonic Touch uh, 34 where we uh, looked at the Gadget update is the fact that you can create all of these little pattern based things and then export them as clips into pre- uh, sort of formatted Ableton live documents. So you load them into live and there they all are in in individual tracks, in clips and scenes and whatever. That looks really interesting. The ability to be able to sort of noodle because these things are all pretty much all battery powered. And then just with the press of a button and a slipping in a, a, an SD card in the slot, you've got, unable to live session where you can continue to work and add to it i know robbie you've been on the bus you know do you find yourself oh do you you like to take the time off and read a book or something
4: every time on the tour i always take a little setup last time i took my little op1 and all that stuff and then i just didn't do anything (laughs) and that's the problem i just always have all this great intention to do it on the bus and then you just get so sidetracked um so this time, I just I just had my iPad and I did a little bit of stuff. But I tell you, the thing I'm really looking forward to is this um, is this product coming out called Mojis. Have you seen that M O G W S? And oh, it was oh, like oh, a, no. a Kickstarter. It's really really exciting product, and I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that. It's a little bit similar to the Korg in that you clip it to things, but um, it's really amazing what it can do. Let's have a look.
1: I, I found it right there. Here we go. Uh. Yeah. Mojis, really-
4: play the world, watch the video.
1: Let's have a look. Yes, oh, I can't. Different. Actually, this isn't going to work because I haven't got the audio
4: set up. But uh, I know I'll, this. I'll yeah, describe I know it. This.
1: Oh, so it's like a sensor that goes into your... Um, there was an iPad app that did that, that took the mic, wasn't there? It was, one, it was from Thumb Jam. I can't remember what it was called. But you can actually... Yeah, uh, Yeah, I'm not going to be able to play. Oh, so it'll process the input from the mic in real time. and t- That does look quite interesting. As long, so, as, yeah. can, as long as you, as long as you do something with it, because that's all great. But um, then you need a mobile recorder, and then you need <laughs> all the other stuff to kind of make that into a performance. Or am I getting that wrong?
4: Yeah, and you can you can use it for triggering as well. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it is a, it's a whole lot more than that. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah.
1: Well, that's interesting because that kind of also leads on to that notion of the, there's a whole bunch of. Um, Uh, apps that now allow you to interface directly with analog equipment i've got a web page here there was a a piece by uh, peter kern on create digital music um this uh called the trigger box let me have a look i think um uh, but and the fact that you can take you know trigger outputs cv outputs and actually drive some of this equipment and start to integrate that as a controller that's quite interesting as well i mean uh, is that something i mean i don't know how you work with your analog gear robbie but uh, i mean you tend to perform it rather than hook it up to midi and try and clock it up to the to the computer or what how do you tend to it
4: i've got the expert sleepers es4 in the rack so i can i can hook it up through logic all sample accurately and stuff but generally i tend to just like to just play them really i just like to play them put them in and then just like deal with it afterwards because um, I find that by all we, all that stuff of trying to get it in time and all that, you just lose the creativity. So I just like to just do whatever I can on the fly and then deal with it afterwards in audio.
1: Right, I got gotcha. you. And Tara, I mean, when you're writing, how yeah. do, do do you... Because, t- I mean, I know there seem to be two schools of thought with, with large analogue systems. You know, you've got the one, which is maybe the sort of Richard Devine kind of area where you create these monster yeah. patches and let yeah. them sort of evolve and you know almost pilot that you 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 curate them but you let them do their thing and obviously you're behind the making (laughs) of it or you just do everything sort of naturally and don't hook things up together i mean what which which school do you tend to uh, subscribe to uh
2: i just i just like to try whatever i can get my hands on to be honest you know i i don't i don't think there's any right or wrong um do you i mean do you
1: find yourself hooking things up together or do you prefer instruments that you play from a keyboard and then interact with at the time
2: uh i don't know i i, I mean i do i do um am not quite sure if i know what you what you mean well i mean yeah. in terms
1: of clocking things and you know cv and gate to midi and all of that kind of stuff just to get it you know
2: um cv yes no clocks no midi i almost never use midi believe it or not no <laughs> I, I,
1: mean- I can i mean i think that's a, it's definitely a way of working for sure
2: yeah no, it just happens that way. Um, I don't. I don't feel like I have any like rules or anything against it. But just what I do, I just happen to like run in and play something, and, and you know have things hooked up a certain way. But I don't. I don't really spend a lot of time. Um, I definitely don't clock things. No. I haven't. I haven't gone into that territory yet. And um, <laughs> no, it's insane.
1: Well, no, that's but, not not yeah. at all because then you can play a performance, and you know because obviously there's so much you can do on the timeline in the DAW where you can conform it and get it to kind of. Get closer um, to what you think you meant at the time, or just put it, you know, into record or whatever.
2: Well, yeah, I do. I do a lot of like, definitely use a lot of warping in Logic, and that, and in doing that, it actually sometimes can create some really interesting accidents too. Sure. So sure. you know. So but is that yeah. what,
1: is that what you're compose? Because you were talking about Ableton that you're using for the for the play out, as it were, you know, for the live performance. Do you do you compose in Logic and then use Ableton for that specific purpose?
2: Exactly yeah right so i do yeah i don't I don't use ableton
1: in the studio at all right yeah okay but like- interesting uh Dave, you know you've got a large wall of stuff there. I mean, I don't know, like you, maybe me you, and Robbie, we kind of came almost at it from a, when you're working in, in the remix world where you've more often than not got to come back and repeat things. So I, I used to come at it whereas everything is clocked up, everything is kind of synced. And so when you, when you fire up that different version of the song, it all plays out live again and does all of those things. Are you finding yourself still... Oh, oh I don't know if you did... Do that, but I'm assuming that perhaps that might have been the case. I mean, you find that you're 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 kind of going um, going more freestyle.
3: I like this idea of uh, no, actually no, uh, no. The dream is in here to have everything clocked, absolutely everything clocked, so that we can hit go, and then we just move between the kind of stations. But I mean, what I use depends on the job that we need to do at that particular moment. Sometimes I'm. Sometimes, like Tara was saying, you know, she hasn't plugged a MIDI lead in for ages. The other day I was hunting around for three MIDI leads and it was like, wow, I'd forgotten how long it was since I'd plumbed in a MIDI lead. And we've been doing a lot of CV gate stuff. Uh, yeah, clocking is the big thing. I mean, we've got CR78, we've got one of the CR8000s, we've got the 808, uh, the little behind mini sequencer and what? And the, obviously the modular sequencer, the the ARP sequencer, and the ultimate dream is to have absolutely everything clocked, ideally from the computer, or even just you know one central device. Which is why that Roland thing was really interesting. And then obviously have that out to the JP8, and we've got a couple of JP6. I mean, it's just it's never ending, isn't it? It's just yes. never-ending. yeah. I mean, no, that's the issue. But I, I want think this kind of
1: I think, that's the, clock. Yeah, I think that's the thing. That's kind of what you were saying, wasn't it, to a degree, Robbie? It's, you know, as soon as you start getting into, all oh, right, we just need to hook, then suddenly you've kind of lost that moment. It's the, the, the time. And I much prefer not yeah. having to do that. In fact, the last remix I did, it was literally, I built the basics of it and then just recorded a load of analogue into it and just that was what it was. And it was kind of liberating because when they kind of go, can you just change everything? It's like, well, I could, but I have to re-record it all. It's not going to, you know, it's a different thing. So you, you kind of trust... I mean, Sorry, go, Robbie.
4: No, I was, gonna say, I was just going to say, at the very least, I think, certainly for me, I want to have everything plugged in, at least all yeah. the analog stuff. Because I just can't bear it when you go, oh, right, let's find out I've got a space to plug this in and have I've got, got a kettle lead to power it up and all that. You just lose the will to live. So I, at least having it all, you know, so it can make sound and then deal with it after that. Yeah, you know, the next ready to yeah. go.
1: I'm guessing, Tara, that must be – I mean, because you seem to have quite a, an eclectic mix of equipment in terms of – and ever-changing. How do you kind of set <laughs> yeah. up – how do you set up your workspace then?
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, well, um, I just I, – it's really – it's quite – I think it's pretty simple compared to what, what a lot of my friends have, um, I have a lot of analog stuff, but I guess I just kind of get used to where everything is, and I I just come in, like Robbie said, I just make sure everything's hooked up and turned on, um, you know, ready to go. I never know what's going to happen or where it's going to go, and it just really sucks if you're in the middle of something, and you're like, yeah, you know, where's that, where the, uh, you know, where's the kettle yeah. or blah, blah, blah. It's just ridiculous. So in that sense, yeah, I just, you know, I just turn everything on, and and, and in that sense, it's also kind of, um, it's more inspiring that way anyway, instead of just sitting there with one synth arm, It's like, meh, you know, it's like nice to have the whole room buzzing. Yeah. You know? All
1: the lights on, everything blinking yeah. away. Absolutely. I totally yeah. got it. Um, yeah, YouTube police in the chat room saying I put them out of the job this week because uh, I haven't played anything that's copyright yet, which is actually <laughs> true. I did get a notification today that I don't even remember. You may, you may not. Episode, uh, I think it's uh, three when we were talking about the Chapman stick, there was a new Chapman stick that came out. And that was, is like almost a year ago. And I just got a notification today that my YouTube, that that video had now been demonetized because it had some King Crimson footage, which I was using to share, illustrate what a Chapman stick was. <laughs> it's, it's bonkers.
4: If that's the last one you've got, there should be an avalanche of them coming, shouldn't there?
1: Yeah, well, I think they've obviously, the YouTube police are backed up a little bit. So they're probably, <laughs> you know, just working their way through those claims. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me see what else we've got.: um, uh, Well Nick, um,
2: Math's just arrived, and he wants to say hi. Ah,
1: Math, Mr. Math Lewis, hair director. How are you doing?: We're having a fight: <laughs> We're
0: having a fight over camera space here.
1: Ah, well, you know, you're behind the camera generally. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Well,
0: so I'm, I'm never allowed to go in front of it, so, you know.
2: I don't know why. He doesn't allow himself to. I, I, was, I was
1: interested, actually, to, to find out, because presumably, you know, you're, uh, as well as wanting the sound and everything to look, uh, to sound great for, for the gig, how are you projecting? Is there some sort of. Are you getting to play with some really tasty uh, stuff? With,
0: with a projector?
1: Just a projector. You, haven't you got anything super massive?
0: No, um, we're. Uh, <laughs> We're relying totally on the uh, on the South Bank, praying that I mean I are an amazing bunch of people there. So um, w- the, the the facilities they have are next to nothing. So we're literally just have a uh, um, uh, VGA out of our uh, 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 Mac, um, and that's just relying on their genius. Yeah, you know, like you rely on a, uh, an amazing sound person. Yes. Yeah. For the first time in a long time, we have one of the, uh, my favourite ever sound people, uh, which is Baz, who does uh, uh, John Fox's uh, stuff.
1: Ah, we, okay. So you're go- uh, so Tori, you're going to be feeding out all of the, in- the, the the instruments discreetly, rather than supplying a mix. Is that the, the way it's going to work?
2: No I'm, actually, no. I'm I'm actually running everything through my Motu MoTo Traveler. Okay. A very old Motu Traveler, but it still works and it's wonderful. So
0: 1985.
1: No, yeah, no, not, 1980.
2: not quite that old. No, I think the no. film's
1: 1985,
2: isn't it? So, well, that, um, I'm doing it the same way I always have. That so. would be
1: that would be interesting if you if you to take the concept to its logical extreme. You should be not using technology that has any place in the world after 1985, Matt. That's the challenge, <laughs> yeah. perhaps for the next uh, project. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we, we funny enough, we were down at um, Benj Edwards Studio um, in in uh, in uh, Cornwall the other day and. We were, well, I, I don't know whether you I talk, talked about any of the projects and, and yeah. shut me up if I go off, uh, off topic a little bit. But um, he, he has a bunch of old uh, um, video cameras from the, the, the 80s um, and the thought of putting um, uh, projects on that to really genuinely give them that kind of feel. Um, and uh, obviously using the equipment around those same periods of time. It's, it's just, I don't know, its a lot of fun involved in that. Mm. A lovely thought to do that. Yeah. I mean, as long as okay. you don't have to edit it on those kind of edit screens. <laughs> <and> you <laughs> can't get out use, a razor blade. And you can, yeah, you have to, you know, yeah, do, uh, do analog editing.
1: That is, that would be a lot. <laughs> I, I actually did a course uh, back in the day, uh, in, about in the 80s, uh, sure. very early 80s, uh, media studies at Bath Polytechnic. And uh, there, they had a, a new studio where you had two beta cam decks and you had to kind of basically, yeah. you know, it was like you only had two sources and that's how you edit. Yeah. So you'd shovel it all together and then you have a third machine. You'd record it to there, rewind about everything was linked with time. That is exceedingly tedious way of working. I can imagine you'd have to be very... Uh, well, you have to be good because I also know uh, uh, this is I'm going well off topic. There was a program. There was a series, ITV series called Children of the Stones. You may or may not remember yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we watched we thought, it recently, <laughs> honestly. Did Amazing. you? And, and did you notice how terrible the edits were? So like the sound would just kind of go. <laughs> so, you know, there's obviously even on a high budget a relative. I don't know who edited it. It wasn't you, was it? Oh, no, <laughs> you're way too young. But, uh, yeah, I did notice that the editing was absolutely diabolical. And, um, so, and they would have presumably been filming probably on video cameras and doing, ex- using exactly the same sort of processes, yeah. two cameras. De- but, yes, it was very interesting the way that that all, uh, all went together. But it had a certain look, didn't it? And that's the sort of thing that I suppose uh, it doesn't look right in 16.9, um, though. That's the only problem, Math. Then you have to do everything in 4.3, and that would be weird.
0: Well, I don't know. I've seen some, some, some films have jumped um, in, 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 in uh, theatres I've seen recently have jumped formats. I can't remember which one. There's one film famously that jumped formats a number of times. I, I won't even remember what it is. I won't bother. But uh, it's interesting to see a film jump from uh, um, you know, widescreen to four by three actually in the theatre. And I've seen that recently and it worked quite well. You just have to be really good.
1: Yeah, you have to, make, to I suppose make,
0: so. Make relevant. And that's the problem being really good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> main, Maybe what we'll main. start seeing is people people actually filming. So you know when you see those iPhone videos that are just sixteen nine but that way <laughs> you, I, get, I wanted... you get a release like that.
0: I just want to go into the cinema and see the screen that, that way. <laughs> That's what yeah. we want. Maybe you should that try that cool. on the
1: South Bank. You should Maybe you should hit that one on the South Bank show team, like maybe what about thing? half past six when you say, oh, by the way, we want to yeah, flip. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's vertical. <laughs> I
2: know imagine. our sound check is done, but can we, yeah.
1: Can we change the screen around, please? So, Tara, are you going to get plenty of time to set up? I mean, what time do you got to get in? Because the show starts, what, 7.45, is that right?
2: Yeah, um, the opening. Actually, the opening act. I, 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 must, 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 must encourage whoever's going to catch the opening act. They're called Cuts. It's actually a, a, a guy called Anthony Tombling from uh, Bristol. He's oh, on Invada's label, and he's incredible, astounding, beautiful, beautiful music, uh, audiovisual, uh, really dark. So it, it's incredible. So he's he's opening, and then. Um, I think I'd go on at nine. Sound check, I think we get there around two.
1: Okay, so you and, should uh, have a reasonable time. Yeah, it's
2: set up, so, yeah. I just want to, like, get everything set up really quickly and turned on and warmed up, and then we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also, can we, I don't know whether you guys have mentioned this before, I hope so, but um, can we just say an, an enormous thank you to uh, your own Andy Mack for the uh, insane amount of time and pure quality of genius of uh um uh director of photography in the in the silence yeah, oh yeah um, i'm
1: sure he will appreciate that i think he's going to come check, up so yeah. he said get him on the guest list is what he said
0: oh, he's, he's on the he's guest on. list god yeah so you, um, actually. And, uh, and genuinely without uh without his uh his help um the film never would have been made not even uh, not even close to it so, oh
1: well uh, i'm sure he'll appreciate that thank you yeah. Um, very
0: true. yeah
1: there is one final topic which is a bit lighter that i wanted to end on before we f- uh, we f- finish up and that was there was a a reddit thread um which was um what was your first release and i thought this could be interesting so uh, i'm wondering what yeah so the first tune piece of music whatever that was released with you know on, on vinyl or whatever the uh, it was sold out there in some kind of format and i'm going to come to uh dave first because uh i can I, I don't want to give you too much time to think about it so that we might get something unusual out of you uh, uh
3: i was part of a steel band collective as a youngster and the band decided to do a christmas record and under the name of uh the friends i think we were called and it was called a bouquet for christmas uh-huh. and it was a single and it um was amazing it was released to absolute outstanding silence <laughs>
1: oh well that's good though so what when would that have been roughly
3: about 1980 wow. i can still the worst thing is it was so cheesy i can still remember every single line on christmas day i'll give you a bouquet nice
1: rhyming <laughs> good scanning uh, okay that's cool that's a, that, that's a pretty good start so uh, mr robert bronneman yeah. Your first well, release, I, and I don't, I don't want any. I'm not going to talk about that one. I want to talk about no, the no, one that.
4: No. <laughs> well, my first ever release as an artist was on was on a label called Lakota, which is a, also a club in Bristol, which I think's still there as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right, Moon Street. Uh, I think that is, isn't it? Yeah, and um, it was called 3D. The track, and I remember, I remember it coming out, and then the next week, I remember driving along in my car and hearing Pete Tong playing it from Ibiza and being very, very excited. Yeah, that's the sort of stuff. So, so yeah, did you mix know.
1: that in, in studio or were you, was that the kind of home scenario for that for that yeah, one?
4: I did it in my place I had in Bristol at the time, yeah. So, yeah, it's just that that's this, you get a great kick, don't you? The first time you go to a club and you hear your music or the first time you hear it on the radio, it's like one of those things that you, can, you only get that one time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember that. It's great. Oh, well, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and yeah. Miss
1: Tara Bush... I know you've been yeah, involved in okay. lots of recordings, you yeah. know, for other people and under your own stuff. So you could choose whether it's for somebody else or for, for your, as, as yourself, as your first one. It's an, entirely I, up uh, to
2: you. I was seven, uh, 18, years, 18 years old. And it was uh, my band in North Carolina. We were called Dalai Lama. And our album was called Quarter Till Euphoria. Available now in any uh recyclable C D bargain bins in sharp <laughs> if you want it.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it was,
2: we were um like a psychedelic funk grunge thing. It, amazing bass player. All, actually all the musicians I played with were really good, but we all played at the same time, very loud. So
1: <laughs> lots of notes all at the same time. Oh that's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah. So but it was it was a blast. And I, I didn't go to
1: university for that reason, and
2: it was it was great. <laughs> ah, that's fa- fantastic. Wasn't uh,
1: yeah. Mine. Um, yeah. mm, I'm trying to think. It seems such it's, it's such a long time ago. I think it was probably um, Neil Davidge's band. Who I forget what they were called. Uh, who's the guy uh, who I met actually quite recently? He's the guy who produced. Um, a lot of stuff with uh massive attack you know he's responsible for that track with uh, um the cocteau twin singer which i think anybody who could do that is a genius. and he, he actually before all he got involved with that he was uh a, a, I mean he is uh, he may still be he was a really really good singer and he had a band a large band and i helped them in the studio and it was called people get along or something like that and it it it, it it was about that time when remixes were starting to happen, and I kind of was involved in the recording or the, or the something of the process of that. I think that was the first one. It was it was just before Snap. I've got the power. Oh, that like sort it. of yeah, period, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. something like that. Uh, but oh, the first, and then oh, it was either that or it might have been. Uh, I worked with this rapper locally called uh, Wiz Fresh and the Revelation Three.
3: Wiz <laughs> <laughs> Fresh? Uh,
1: That's fantastic and, uh, <laughs> And he uh, he did a track which was uh, called "We've Got Our Own Style," and it used uh, basically pretty much all of the samples from David Bowie fashion. And it was really he was really he had some fantastic ideas, and I put it together in my S nine hundred. I think that was probably the first one.
3: Awesome!
1: There we go. Very good. Um, Wiz, uh, it might even be online somewhere. I know that he was involved in working with somebody who has on or been on X Factor. Subsequently, he's got a studio
3: himself and, and is you know. Doing stuff still, so I have to say, although mine was incredibly cheesy and, and totally naff, the engineer from the studio called me up and said, "Oh, would you play uh, keyboards on this track I'm doing for Les Dawson?" <laughs> That's absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> it was hey, called, and I did, and it was called Disco Bingo, and it was him and was it Roy Kinnear going Disco Bingo, full house. And it was just oh, this kind awesome. of keyboard vamping, house vamping. Brilliant. Did you have to play it all wrong, though, the chords wrong? Yeah, I was going to say. what. No, the... I was so disappointed, because obviously I'd have done that really uh. well.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> because really, Les Dawson, and for those who don't is a UK uh, comedian, a brilliant comedian. And he used to play. He had this sketch where he'd kind of go up to the piano and he'd play. And he, he was a really, really good pianist. But he was so good that he could just kind of do all this stuff and really, you know, where he sort of go up and, and play the note on, on the end with the finger. But he would just get every note once in a while completely wrong, and it was just comedic genius. Jeez. He was a very, very good. Anyway, so if you get the chance to see that, Dave, I am massively impressed that you played on a Les Dawson record. That is I don't just think
3: I've ever topped that since. Awesome.
1: That is absolutely awesome. I, I, we're all speechless. I don't think that can be topped. I really don't. I think <laughs> um, that is got to be, got to be it. Sorry,
4: Robbie. <laughs> Now, I was going to say, we were talking about this on tour, and our drummer, who's played with everybody, the pinnacle of his career was playing on a, um, a Keith Harris record. Whoa,
1: awesome.
2: Uh,
4: <laughs> yeah, he played on a track for Orville.
1: For those of you who don't know, perhaps our US listeners, Keith Harris is a ventriloquist who had a uh, a duck that he would have, and it used to say, I can fly. And he was basically about the time when he used to get Saturday Night Variety TV. He was, yeah. So that, so yeah, awesome.
0: Describing Orville as a duck is very
1: kind. Yeah, well, I think three of those letters were right. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So um, that's kind of it. On that note, I think that's a good place to end. So I want to say thank you very much. And before we go, obviously, Tara Bush playing live at South Bank at the Purcell Room uh seven forty five yep. doors uh i speak machine and th- is it three short films you're doing or yes yeah the soundtrack to three films yes are you gonna finish up with the long one or do you start with the long one
2: we're gonna finish up with the long one, and the soundtrack to that another shameless plug
1: is it. uh coming
2: out on yeah <laughs> the soundtrack is coming out on lex records on november twenty fourth on, on vinyl on vinyl
1: only vinyl awesome <laughs>
2: Yes.
0: Vinyl and uh, digital download yeah.
1: no, no CD So hold on The film is 35 <laughs> minutes yes. long So you can't fit it on one side So it'll be a, an A side and a B side And everything
0: Yeah it's, it's, um, it, it's an extended soundtrack So it's the, the soundtrack of the film With additional ah, okay. uh, gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah mm-hmm. it's a full it's a 40 minute album
2: Yeah,
0: Kind of thing
1: Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Tara and Maffa. Uh, great to see you both. Uh, I will try and get up. I would love to. I have a feeling I may um, – well, we'll see. Uh, if I can, I will. I know Andy's coming, so he can tell me about it if I don't make it. I know Dave Spears, you'll be there as well.
3: Um, yeah, I've got weapons. Weapons? Um, I'll be there with you. <laughs> Knives, flails, <laughs> numchucks—everything. Just stay away from the gear, people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't that's touch my, it. That's my job. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Dave Spears, for joining us as well. Thank you. And uh, also, oops, that's not Robbie. Robbie Bronneman, uh, uh, Robot Studios uh, in the southwest. Are you back for a while now? Is that the fest of the touring season over, or have you got you going back out on the road?
4: No, I'm back now. I'm just starting a animated US animated movie score next week, so. Yeah. Excellent. So gonna... I've got yeah. the uh, Warner
1: Brothers sound effects CD, if it's any use. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, i <it. laughs> okay.
4: Might hit you up for that.
1: <laughs> and Hanna-Barbera. Anyway, Tara and Math, thank you very much. Analog Suicide, don't forget to go to the gig. Dave Spears, yeah. Robbie Bronneman, that's it for this week. Thank you all for watching. And remember, uh, if you want to enter the competition for Isotope, uh, just you've got to watch back in the show if you skipped ahead you've missed it i might put it in the show notes but uh, thank you very much everybody for watching thank you everybody in the chat room uh it's been a bumper week as ever do a fulsome chat room i think that's what i'm not supposed to say so i'm going to say it fulsome 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 there we are thank you very much everybody and uh we will see you next time so i press the fade to black button i believe there it goes